the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No matter what happens to us this side of heaven, we know that the one who holds tomorrow is the one who holds tomorrow. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now let's jump right in today's study in the book of Titus. So we're going to be in Titus chapter 3. Though we're going to catch a couple verses of chapter 2, but we're going to finish chapter 3. And I entitled this message, What Do You Live For? And that's a good question, isn't it? What do you live for? I think it's a question we all need to ask ourselves often. Why is that? Because in this life, it doesn't take much for us to get sidetracked with the most worthless of things to do. Because there's a forever list of things in this life that can distract us from our real purpose in this life. And things that, you know, in the scope of eternity have about as much worth as a, well, a poached egg. So consider what some of these people have lived their life for. This guy named Eric Spiller has dedicated his life to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. For what? For collecting more than 10,000 Chinese takeout menus. Yes, Eric broke the existing record of some guy that had 4,000 Chinese takeout menus. Or what about in 1983, Eddie Bozo Miller, that's his name, just saying it like it is. Eddie Bozo Miller ate 27 chickens at a Trader Vic's restaurant. Must have been pretty small chickens. I mean, it's a lot of chickens. But anyway, he ate 27 chickens at Trader Vic's restaurant in San Francisco to win the Guinness Book of World Records title of world's greatest trencherman. Uh, Like, what does it have to do with chickens? I'm not sure. I mean, what kind of a name is that? I mean, after eating 27 chickens, they should have just called him like the Grande Chicken Eater or something. I don't know. Something different than trencherman. Well, one thing for sure, though, at least we know... Why the chicken crossed the road now, and that was to get away from Eddie Bozo Miller, so he wouldn't be chicken number 28, I guess. I don't know. But listen to what Bozo Miller said. He said this quote, I was determined that all of my time would go into winning this title. I will die a happy man now. Well, there you go. I mean, it's like, I will die a happy man now because I... 27 chickens? Are you serious? Or what about this Dutch woman, Eddie Rabel? Uh, it's Etty with T's, not D's, who became obsessed with owning every new issue of Barbie. She dedicated her life to this collection. She even has a Japanese Barbie with styled black hair, and it has a value. It's worth $1,300. I'm just asking you, especially you guys, what would you rather have? 1300 bucks in this hand? or a Japanese Barbie. 
Just asking. Just, you know, some people, you know, inquiring minds want to know. But for me, I'll take the 1300 bucks. Or what about Norman Perez? He's 24 years old. He's right here from Burbank, California. He sat at his computer for four days straight in an effort to set the first Guinness World Record for the longest period of instant messaging. He typed for 96 consecutive hours. He goes on to say that Norman's favorite pastime is instant messaging. Oh, gee, really? <laughs> I, would, I would have never thought that. Yes, the point is this. In this life, people will live for many things, for their five minutes of fame, I guess you could say, or to be acknowledged in the Guinness Book of World Records. But one thing is obvious about all of us. Where we spend the majority of our time, the things that we invest the majority of our efforts into, that is usually where our heart will be also. And one day we will no longer be, meaning one day will be our last day. I think that, you know, we've all had loved ones that have passed away. Then all that's left of them is what? Their memory. It's who they were and it's what they did. And that's all that's left of them. I don't know about about you, but I want to be remembered for so much more than some worthless world record set for eating chickens or something, you know, a a sporting title. You know, I, I want to be known for something more than my favorite hobby for all those, you know, things are fine because I have hobbies. I like doing certain things. I have little pleasures in life that I like, but I don't, I don't want to be remembered for those things. It was Solomon, the wisest and the richest man that had ever lived. He said this in Ecclesiastes 518. He said, Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting. It's to eat and drink and enjoy oneself and all of one's labor, which he toils under the sun during his few years of this life, which God has given him. For this is his reward. So he's basically just saying, look, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruit of your labor if you've worked hard. Nothing wrong at all. But there is no greater pursuit in life understand there is no higher calling there is no grander purpose than to walk with God to seek after his will in our lives to walk in his footsteps to be called a man or a woman of God to be able to be the Lord's servant doing the will of God in the lives of those that we come in contact with, to challenge people who are in our sphere of life into a real faith for people that we know to come to know Jesus, to know the forgiveness that only he can give, to have the peace of God that transcends all understanding to fill the hearts and lives of the people that are around us. That is more valuable and lasting than any other pursuit in this life. I'm sure glad someone shared this message with me. I'm sure glad that someone went out of their way. I'm so glad that someone said, well, hey, I think I'll just share with this 18-year-old kid who's upside down in himself right now. It's like, I'm glad that they spent the time with me because it changed the course and direction of my entire life. Because in the end, we're all going to die. And all stand in the presence of God. That's when the only thing that's going to matter is how we lived our life here. And who we live for. As we study through the book of Titus, recognizing that this is considered a pastoral epistle along with First and Second Timothy, 
We have seen that these letters were written by the Apostle Paul for the express purpose to encourage those two young men in ministry, that is, Timothy and Titus, who were both like sons to the Apostle Paul. Now, chapter 2, that's where the older women were encouraged to take younger women under their wings. They were called to help them to become godly women. They were to instruct them on being good wives, on how to submit to their husbands, on how to honor their families, just as God directed the very first woman, Eve, back in Genesis chapter 3. And by submitting to the call of God as a woman, the fruit of their lives would be seen in many ways. That's when they would obtain the high calling of a woman as God described in Proverbs 31.10, which is worth reading again. An excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. I always tell young men, hey, when you're looking for a wife, You know, when you're looking for someone that you want to settle down with, you want to look for someone who's going to be the mother of your future children. Boy, I tell you what, you find a woman that loves God and that's the one that you want. It doesn't matter how she looks. I'm not saying you have to go marry a wildebeest. I'm just saying that, you know, it's like looks needs to be secondary to the quality of the woman that is inside of that body. Yes, a woman who embraces her high calling to God as she submits to the Lord over the poles and the desires of the culture that we live in, she will have a huge impact not only on her own family, but many who are around her. Then we saw how the Apostle Paul directed Titus to teach young men to be sensible, good examples, to not only know pure doctrine, but to walk in pure doctrine. Yes, not only young men, but older men along with all women. We are all called to know the word of God. We are called to stand for the truth of God's word. We have a confidence that no matter what happens to us here, this side of heaven, as we live on earth, we know that the one who holds tomorrow is the one who holds tomorrow. (laughs) And we know him. And now let's look at our first point, reminded of our past as we read together, starting back a couple verses in chapter two, and then we'll go on into chapter three. Because again, when uh, the scripture was written, there was no chapter breaks and there was no verses. So sometimes they put the chapter break in the right place and Eh, sometimes it's not quite in the right place. But it's good that we have chapter breaks and verses because we can all turn to the same place. We all know what we're talking about here. So we're going to start in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people of his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Now we'll go into chapter three, verse one. He goes on to say, now remind them to be subject to rulers 
to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Well, we'll stop there for a moment. I never get tired of hearing how chapter two closes out, how we're to look for the appearing of a, the glorious and great God and Savior, Jesus. We, you know, he gave his life for us. He redeemed us. He bought us back from the debt of our sins. Think about that. I was thinking about it as I was putting the study together. And I, the Holy Spirit just reminded me of Colossians 2.14. And it's such a wonderful verse. It says in Colossians 2.14, it says, Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile towards us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So that verse tells us that there was a certificate of debt. If you have a King James Bible, it was a, a handwriting, a debt that he took Because that handwriting of debt or that certificate of debt, it was hostile towards us. Now, why was it hostile towards us? Why was it that way? Well, that that certificate of debt, that handwriting, it simply means it it was crimes that, that were committed. It was crimes of passion. It was crimes that were criminal acts that were committed. They were all written out on this certificate of debt. So in the context of the scripture, again, what was written and recorded in heaven was all the sins that we're guilty of committing. Imagine that. Everything is written down for everybody. Seven billion people alive on planet earth today, a little over that. And everything that everyone has ever done wrong, every little little lie, every cheating thing, every backstabbing comment that you made, everything is written down. And it's on a list. And it's like, it's all the laws that we have broken that God had written. Every time we sinned against the law of God, it is written in these books in heaven that will all be opened one day on the day of judgment. And every single man and woman will stand before God on the day of judgment and they will all be written down. This is what it says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 about that subject. It says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. Like nobody wanted to go into that judgment seat. I don't want to go into that courtroom, but there was no place for them to hide. There was no place to hide. Verse 12 in Revelation 20 goes on to say, and I saw the dead, the great and the small, meaning everyone that had died in this life on planet earth is now alive in the next life. And they were great and small, and they were standing before the throne. So it was rich people, famous people, and nobody people, homeless people. It was everybody and everyone in between. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. But the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. So all the things that were written, that is the certificate of debt for the believer those books are empty for us because Jesus took those things 
and he nailed them to the cross. He paid the debt for our certificate of debt. There was a price to pay and it was death. Every one of us, we deserve to die in our own sin. But he took the debt that was ready for us, for us to die in our sin. And he took it and he nailed it to the cross and he took it upon his own body. Yes, every single person outside of Christ though will be judged for everything written in the books that records every deed that we've ever done. But again, those who have been redeemed, those who have asked Jesus to come into their heart for the forgiveness of their sin have been cleansed. Again, the certificate of debt, the written record of our sin that we've committed has all again been nailed to the cross and we have been forgiven. It's a good time to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I hear a hallelujah? Amen. (laughs) It's like, now as Paul goes into chapter three, verse one, he instructs Titus to remind them. Who? The people that he's talking to and encouraging. The word remind means to suggest to bring it back to one's memory. Know this, we as believers, we need to be reminded of how to live. We can't just hear it once. We need to be reminded of the things that are important. Why? Because we'll get caught up and we'll forget them, especially in this culture that we live in when everyone seems to follow after their own set of rules. It's when the lines between right and wrong start becoming blurred. It's when things around us are not as clear as they once were because you get into a place where everyone's doing the same. Well, everyone's doing it. It seems like it's okay. You don't see fire coming down from heaven. You don't see someone getting torched for doing something wrong. So you might just be talked into doing it too. Well, everyone else is doing it. I just thought I'd just mosey in there and do it myself. See, we have to be reminded because the things get blurred. Yes, Paul exhorts Titus to remind all of us who have a high calling from God, those of us who really understand that God has a greater purpose in this life for us than just pursuing whatever temporary occupation we are in this side of heaven. He said in verse 1 that we should be subject or obedient to the governing authorities. Now, this is why uh, it's very important for each and every one of us to pray for our leaders. Pray for the leadership of our country. Pray for the leadership of our state. Pray for the leadership of our city. Why? Because we live here. We want people to make right decisions. But we should also vote When you sit around and say, I can't believe these laws in California. I can't believe it. They're letting men in the women's bathroom. I can't believe this. Well, you know how all that gets passed? It gets passed because people are voted in and they vote crazy ways. That's why it's important for every believer to vote and vote for people that think the same way they think. They have some kind of moral compass. I mean, there might not be that many Christians in there, but there are certain people in there that stand for certain things. I got so much flack because... I had said from the pulpit here that we should vote for, I think his name was John Cox, running for governor of California. And of course, I got, what are you telling us who to vote for? It's like, how about voting for a guy who's pro-life, a guy who claims to be a Christian? But as you know, the man who won governorship, it's like it was a landslide. Why? Because many people didn't vote for this man who was claiming to be a Christian and who was pro-life. See, Our vote 
matters. It counts. And if we don't vote, then you see this landslide of this liberalism coming down like, like, a, like a thunderstorm. And you wonder, gee, I can't believe how bad things are getting in our world. Well, did you vote? No. Well, then be quiet. Don't complain because you're not helping the situation. But we're called as believers to pray even for those that are not doing the right thing. Who knows? What if someone who's the biggest liberal person who does everything completely polar opposite of the scripture, what if they came to know the Lord as their savior? And then all of a sudden their whole mentality changes. That means the whole laws that they bring about might change also. So we must pray for these people that they would come to know Christ as their savior. We must vote for people who claim to be pro-life. Why? Because we might just be able to overturn this bill that has legalized abortion. You know, I was just, you know, I, I wonder about things at times and I start adding things up. Since there's been 61 million abortions since Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973, there's been 61 million abortions. I'm thinking like 61 billion people, that's a lot of people. So I go out there and I, I, I Google like, how, what is the population of the state of California? It's like 39 and a half million people. What's the population of Oregon? What's the population of Washington? It took me going from California to Oregon to Washington to Arizona and to Nevada to come up with a population that equals 61 million. So the entire West Coast of the United States, California, Oregon, and Washington, including Arizona and Nevada, if you took every person, every baby, every person alive in these five states, that's how many abortions, that's how many babies we've killed. So my point is, at what point do we vote in people to maybe change a wrong that we made? Our vote matters. But then we're reminded here at the end of verse 1 to be ready for every good deed. That just means we should be available to look at the downhearted, to see those who are suffering, to reach out to those who think they have life figured out and let them know that there's a God in heaven that loves him. And that's why we need to stand. And we not only need to pray, and we not only need to vote right, but we need to look and be the answer for those. Because when I think about 61 million babies that were aborted, that was how many women that had these abortions. Well, some have had more than one, but you know, there's a lot of women there that need to know that Jesus loves them that they can come and there, there can be a healing and forgiveness for what they've done. And they don't have to carry the guilt because, because first of all, God has taken that beautiful little baby into his kingdom and that baby's waiting for them when they get to heaven one day. But they need to hear that, that there's hope for them. Yes, we need to look for those people that are downhearted. We need to reach out to those people that have, have guilt and shame for the things that they've done in the past. We need to let them know again that there is a God in heaven that loves them. And we know the message of Christ can reach anyone, right? No matter how horrible their life is or how great it might be at that moment. For life, whether it's good or bad, will one day end for everyone. And then we will all stand in the presence of God. I like what it says in Psalm 39, verse 4. It says this, Lord, make me to know my end. I like that. 
Lord, let me know, let me understand that I'm going to have an end one day. Don't let that completely leave my mind. I want to know the extent of my days, he goes on to say. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in thy sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Now, it doesn't seem like that when you're young. Because when you're young, man, I felt like when I was in the fifth grade, I'm going to be here for 35 years. I will be in elementary school forever. And then junior high and high school just drag and drag and drag forever. And then you get out of high school. And then you start working full time. And then all of a sudden, time just starts going by. You get married. Your wife starts popping out babies like Octomom. I mean, everything just starts happening. And then decades are going by. And then all of a sudden, you wake up one day and you're like, wow. You look in God's eyes. He says, your life is like a vapor. You're here one day and gone the next compared to eternity. Compared to eternity, we are like a vapor. That's all the time we have for this message. Join us next time for part two. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Court Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Court Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Court Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at courtchurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.